Hey everyone, and welcome back to another week here on the Foundry Church Podcast. We upload a new message here every week, so if you want to be notified every time one of those go up, make sure to subscribe. You can also keep up with us throughout the week on our Facebook page. Just search the Foundry Church. With all that said, let's continue with our series called Listen. So we're going to dive into our new series. It's called Listen. And this series really, um, it's calling us to do exactly what it is, to listen, to tune our ears to what God has said and what God is saying. We're going to talk for the next number of weeks about prophecy. Now, somebody's having a fight with a can. I hope they win. I have got such bad ADD that I just want to wait, but I won't. All right, prophecy is one of those things in, um, what I would say in West Michigan, uh, reformed circles primarily, there is a a bit of a resistance to the move of the Spirit of God. Not because uh, it's bad or anything, I think think we as reformed Christians, we love our theology, we keep it really tightly packed and dense, we have great theology and understanding of God, but sometimes we miss out on the on the move of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit, when God does his pneumatics on us and gets the wind of God blowing through us. And one of those gifts that he uses is prophecy. He's used it throughout the centuries, and we're going to talk about it through the coming weeks. It's going to be a great series for us to tune in and listen to God. I'm excited for what's going to happen in this. Um, So let's start with this. Have you ever asked somebody, hey, what's the matter? Anybody ever asked that? This is where every arm gets a workout, because if you hadn't, you need to stop being self-centered. So yeah, we've all said the question, what's the matter? When a little child or a grown-up, it's more fun when it's a grown-up, you know, and they're like, whop, they're on the ground, and you you see them, you're like, whoa, what happened, right? Or you walk into a situation, and someone's wiggling or writhing in pain, you're like, what happened? You're not just like, hey, what happened? You want to know more than just what happened. You want to know what happened before, what got them there. Tell me everything. What happened or what's the matter is a bit of this, uh, it's, a, it's an all-inclusive question. It allows us to, to, to kind of say in a short way, tell me everything, start to finish. What happened? What's the matter? What's the matter? What's the matter taking place right here? What is the matter of the moment? And when we look at that and understand, we realize that we walk into situations all the time where we ask, what's the matter, right? If you're a parent out there, how many times have you asked that question, right? You hear a crash, a squeal, and then you walk downstairs and that weird scream is getting ready to happen where only that bag in the back of their throat, that little thing back there, is like... And you're like, here comes the ear-splitting volume, right? It sounds like a fire alarm. And you're like, what's the matter? What happened? And they can't really express it. They're jumping around or they're flopping around. You want to know what the matter is. I am not intelligent, let me classify this, when it comes to reading people, right? There's been many times where Erica's like, you've hurt that person's feelings. You, You need to go fix that. And I'm like, they laughed. That was an awesome joke. She's like, they're devastated. I'm like, really? Wow. I thought they knew that, and off I go, right? And I say, I'm sorry, and I, I try to make it right because I don't read people well, but one of the people I do read very well is my wife, Erica, and she can have a look where instantly I walk in and I see it, and I'm like, what's the matter, right? My eyes get big, I get a little smaller in my posture, I'm like, what happened? What's the matter? And if she said, oh, I'm sad, I'd be like, yeah, okay, th- wh- what happened, right? I want to know more. 
I want to know what the matter is. What happened before you were sad? What got you sad? What, what, where does it hurt in you? It's an inclusive question. I remember working construction, and the owner's son of the construction company, who was a doorknob, um, and he was all entitled. I did not like him, and he got his just desserts in this story. Um, but he had a 28-ounce Vaughn California Framer. If you're a construction guy, you know what that is. Big waffle face, just a man's hammer, right? And um, he was driving 16-penny uh, sinkers, and we were, we were framing up this huge wall, and he was finishing something up, and you could hear him just tap, tap, and walk. He'd hit it. And one time, it tap, tap, bonk, and we're all like, it was a meat shot. And he turned his little thumb into a beaver tail. He sounded like he was getting a fax. Just, clang. Like, it was awesome. And we're like, oh, what's the matter? And he's like, oh, oh, oh. Like, oh. That thing could build a dam in a pond like that. It was horrifying. And when he showed us what's the matter, all of a sudden we knew. You didn't have to ask a bunch of different questions. You knew what to do. So when we talk today, we're going to talk about the issue at hand. What's the matter? We're going to talk and listen to the prophet Jeremiah, who is one of the prophetic voices in the Old Testament and allows us to listen in on what is the matter. Take a listen. Jeremiah 1, 1 to 10. The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. And through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. Jeremiah 1.9, the Lord reached out and put his hand on his mouth and said, I have put here my words in your mouth. I have put them in there. God had something to say. So let's real quick tighten in what prophecy is. Prophecy is when God puts his words in someone's mouth and they speak it out in obedience to him. Prophecy is not good preaching. Prophecy is not good counsel. Prophecy is not Bible study. Prophecy is when God has something specific to say and he uses someone to speak it out. He puts his words in their mouth. Let's make it very clear what that is. When prophecy happens, it's because God has something he wants to share and he speaks through someone. We'll talk more specifically about prophecy in weeks to come, but today what I would like to do is show you maybe a few instances where God puts the word he has for his people in their mouth. Isaiah 51, 16 says, I have put my words in your mouth. I've put my words there. In, first, in 2 Chronicles 36, 
God says this, the Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word to them through messengers again and again because he had pity on his people and his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers, the prophets. They despised his words and they scoffed at the prophets until the wrath of God was aroused against his people and then there was no remedy. Deuteronomy 18, 14 to 20, the Lord said to me, What they say is good, and I will raise up a prophet like you. He's speaking to Moses from among their fellow Israelites. So this is actually a messianic prophecy. And I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command them. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. God's word matters. And it matters when it's spoken out prophetically into the life of a community. And when we look at this and understand, we, we have this idea, we've, we've talked a lot about what's the matter, the matter at hand. And what we can say about this is look and when it says, when, in Hebrew when it says the words, God says I've put the words into your mouth, that the actual literal translation is the matter. I have put the matter that's closest to my heart into your mouth. Speak what is the matter, what, what matters to me. Isn't that interesting? God's telling us what the matter is. God's giving us a glimpse into what matters to him. When he speaks to a prophet and puts his words in their mouth, what he's doing is putting into them the very thing that matters to God. It is the matter, the thing we should focus on. It's more significant because the matter is what matters to God. It's the thing that God sees as most important, most valuable, and most transformative. What matters to God is actually the only thing that matters because he is God, period. There is no pantheon. There is one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we understand that when God speaks, he does so, and it matters because what he says in prophecy is the matter that's closest to his heart. It's the thing, well, it doesn't matter anymore. The purpose, the plan, the when, the how, the who, the where, that doesn't matter. What matters, those are sundry issues. We push them to the side and get down to the matter. What's the matter on God's heart? What is the thing that matters most in the heart of God? And I think this is a good time to remind us and get this understanding right out there. Anytime there is prophecy, it works in such a way that it, it points to Jesus Christ. The prophetic work of God in the Spirit always calls out sin, which is remedied in Christ. And when we talk about Jesus Christ, we understand him as the Word, right? The Word made flesh. He's the first word of creation. He's the Word made flesh according to John 1. And then we look in the epistle letters of John, and we can see that this, this identity of the Word is a really big deal. What is the Word? The Word is what matters. Jesus Christ is the matter on the heart of God that he wants dealt with. God wants us to understand and hold close to the person of Jesus Christ. We always need to remember that Jesus is the matter that's close to the heart of God. It's the thing that, that God most desires us to understand. All prophecy leads to and it glorifies Jesus Christ and the work he did on the cross for us. 
Jesus is the ultimate matter at the center of the universe. He's what matters in the heart of God. Everything points to him and everything emanates from him. It proceeds out of him. He is the matter that is closest. In business uh, law 101, they say this. This first thing I learned. I took one law class, by the way. I got to see. But I I remember this. Um, Ignorance of the law is not a valid defense, to which I was like, well, that was my whole defense. (laughs) I mean, what do we say? You know how fast you're going? I don't know the speed limit. Doesn't matter. Here's your ticket, right? Ignorance of the law is not a valid defense. You are not allowed to plead ignorance anymore of what is the most important thing universally, cosmically, in everything. What's the one matter that is closest to the heart of God that he wants us to understand? The Lord Jesus Christ, period. He is, well, everything points to him. All prophecy leads us to him, and from the fulfillment of his work, Every bit of our life emanates out of him. We get it from him. He's the headwaters where we draw our life and sustenance. So when we understand that, we get this massive understanding of what is close to the heart of God. It's Jesus Christ. And his mission was to reconcile you and I in relationship with him through Jesus Christ. But in the same moment, he used human speakers all along. Even after Christ left, he used 12 disciples, 11 disciples, fishermen and tax collectors, to do what? To speak. So there's human speakers, and today we're going to look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah is this, and when you heard the, the text being read, when you listened to it, he said, I am young. Jeremiah was young, and that, ironically, didn't matter. That didn't matter to God. The package that the prophet came in was not what matters to God. And we should all be really happy about that because God's not so worried about, I I don't think he's worried about your gender or um, or your maturity. He's worried about one thing. Will you courageously and faithfully obey him when he has something to say? Some of us, many of us in this room have the spiritual gift of prophecy. And listen to me when I say this. You have to live in that. God has something to say, and it will always point back to Jesus. It will call people back to him. So when we see this and understand that God isn't so worried about knowledge, knowledge wasn't part of it. Jeremiah says, look, I'm young. And in the Hebrew culture, he lacked what I am currently expanding in. You're like, oh, yeah, he gotten heavy over the holidays. Nope, not it. It was gray hair. But good guess, right? Gray hair. He didn't have any gray hair. It's a crown of wisdom in the Old Testament. Older Hebrew men would sit and expound with the wisdom, the crown of wisdom on their head, and the young men would listen. And it wasn't until you grayed up that you got to speak a little more. Jeremiah knew his place, but God said, no, no, no. You don't know my place for you. You will speak when I have something to say. And he kind of argued with God a little bit like, oh, how do I do this? Listen to God's response. In Jeremiah 33, verse 3, call to me and I will answer you. Let's just stop for just a second. How great is that? Anybody else feel super good when you call and it rings once and goes straight to voicemail? Who feels good about that? Yeah. Who, who has hurt feelings when that happens? Like, you're like, I'm going to call my mom real quick. Doot, doot. It's like, hi, this is Vonnie Folkers. Oh, it's fine. You bore me into this world, but you can send me straight to voicemail. Anybody hate it when you get sent straight to voicemail? I'm sorry. 
fitted is too much of an inconvenience, right? Okay, you're not participating. I'm putting all you in voicemail if you call this week. People are going to be like, yeah, I'm going to call Pastor. Oh, wow, that's pretty quick. Boom. Feels good, doesn't it? It's horrible when you call somebody and they don't answer or when you text and the bubbles never appear. You're like, oh, they're never going to reply, right? Hey, I need some help. 911 shows that you read it. School, it's only below freezing, I'll be fine, right? Call to me and I will answer. Call to me and I will answer you. And here's the cool part. He's this young guy who doesn't know enough. Call to me, God says to Jeremiah, and I will answer you. And I will tell you the great and unsearchable things that you don't know. Can you imagine that? The confidence he would have that he would speak the great and unsearchable things. He doesn't even know where to look. And Jeremiah realizes in this moment, he has no excuse. He has no excuse, and we share in that same moment. We have no excuse not to live faithfully declaring the matter of God's heart to this world. Whether or not you like the messenger or the message is not the issue. God promised to speak through the prophets of old and of today, and he does. He did, he will, and he will continue to speak. Jeremiah was a faithful prophet. He lived 627 BCE to about 586. And if you know biblical history, 586 is when the great king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, invaded, besieged, and sacked the city of Jerusalem, laid waste to Jerusalem drug all the nobles off to captivity. It's the great fall of Jerusalem. Hebrews mourn it to this day. It was a horrible event. He was the prophet speaking what was close to the heart of God. He was someone who loved God, and he knew that the people were far from him. He was a prophet. He wrote lamentations to lament. He was a prophet. They could not shut him down. They threw him in a pit, in a cistern. Can you imagine that? But it's like when you put your iPhone in a bowl to amplify the sound, like throw him in a pit, and all of a sudden, thus says the Lord. Oh my gosh, put a lid on that thing. Like he would not shut up. I love Jeremiah. He had a heart for what God had to say. And I love that that happens. God gave the prophets a message. It was the matter. It was the thing that was most important to God's heart. He knows what's wrong with us, and the matter that would fix it, that would remedy it, he speaks through the prophets. And God did this because he loved his people. He was patient with his people. He had compassion on them. He even had pity. Let's look back in this Chronicles passage out of Chronicles 36, the very end of the life of Judea, right before the the nation falls under the siege of Nebuchadnezzar. God's writing this to one of the last kings. The Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word to them through his messengers, the prophets, and he sent them again and again because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. Isn't that like, there's a tenderness in that, that if we miss it, we can see God as like mean and distant, but when he looks and he said, look, I'll tell you what matters, but will we listen? Do we listen to what's on the heart of God? Do we tune our lives to be softened and transformed, or are we so self-centered? that we never listen and get the message, that we miss the compassion, love, and patience of God, even in our last moments of sinful disobedience. 
God's calling out again and again. I love that it says he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. Did you catch that? The temple where God would dwell in the Holy of Holies between the cherubim on the mercy seat. That's where God would dwell. The new covenant secured for us by Jesus Christ tells us this, that we are the temple. You and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it says that he has pity on his people and his dwelling place. He just made them one and the same. Welcome to being a cathedral. Welcome to being the living church. This building is no more a church than the pavement out these doors. You leave this building, it's the produce section of the old Heising of Food place. This is not the church. Burn it down, the church goes on, right? You're the church. You're the church. And he continues speaking. God was still sending a message to his people in Israel again and again, even though the messenger was like them. God sent them people who spoke their language. Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah. He sent them people who could understand. They don't have an excuse not to listen, and neither do you. You and I do not have the the safety of an excuse to not listen to God. So we need to do something about it, and we need to learn to seek God and his words on the matter at hand. Because I know this. Many of you have a lot of matters at hand, right? From bills to pay to life to live to to companies to lead to work to do, whatever it is. You have a lot that there's a lot of matters at hand. There's a lot to do. I mean, literally, from laundry to life-changing decisions, there are matters at hand, and we should seek God's word on those matters that we face. We should seek and lean in. When we face problems that we can't articulate, have you ever had a hard time finding the words to express a problem or what's going on? Anybody else? Like you'd think I'd be good at it, but sometimes I just like, you know, it's like I'm chewing on my tongue. I can't get it out. I can't articulate the problem. When we don't know which way to go or what decision to make, we have to learn. We have to learn to seek God's wisdom because both decisions may look good, but I guarantee you this, God has a desire to speak and lead you in the path of righteousness. And one of those decisions, I guarantee you, is the will of God concerning you. You should seek God's word on the matter at hand because if you're seeking the matter at hand, you would probably want to know what the matter in God's heart and make sure those line up that we stay close to what matters on God's heart. When we can't explain what, the, what is the matter, ask God what it matters to him. Have you ever had it, like anybody else, like I'm somebody, I don't know if it's what it is, but I've always, my right ankle has always let me down. And I'll roll that thing up playing football, basketball, whatever, and it swells up like a grapefruit. And when I do, I am a mess. Like, I, don't laugh, Josh. Um, but, like, if, if I roll it real bad, like, I'll be crawling. I'll be like, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm like, Dad, what's wrong? And I'm making noises. And they're like, they maybe didn't see it, but I let out a squeal. And then I'm on the ground, like, writhing. And they're like, oh, it's finally happened. He's having a heart attack. I'm like, it's my ankle, man, right? You don't know how to say what the matter is. But maybe, maybe just maybe in our emotional lives, in our spiritual lives, when there's something that has us crawling on our hands and knees, mumbling incoherently, we should pause and listen and ask God, what matters to you in this moment? How now do I live in this moment? What matters to you? Because here's the thing. 
Remember when I said just a minute ago that, that there's something we can do. We can seek God's words on the matter at hand even when we can't articulate the problem. When we can't, we can't put words to it. There is a spiritual reality that is given to us where sometimes in our groanings and our tears, those are actually prayers given to God. I don't know about you, um, but I know for myself, excuse me, I know for myself there have been times, uh, there's a lot of times, and this is, this is my groaning if I'm honest. I can do it because it happens so often. Oh, please. That is it. That, oh, it's like a three-note exhale. Uh, people in the office are like, you okay? Oh, sorry. Like you, if you work with it, you hear it all the time. And, and I've realized in preparing this, that is actually one of my prayers. I don't know what to say, but I'm laying things before God. It's a weight I can't bear. I'm just a guy who knows all my limitations and all my failings, and God's given me the opportunity to lead a church. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't know what to say. And it, it, our groanings, our tears, the sounds we make in grief and lament are actually things the Spirit of God interprets crystal clear. They are not mumblings in heaven. They are the language of your soul poured out to God, and he gets it. It's not hard for him to understand where you're at. He understands it. Some of us speak in tongues in this room, which I think is so legit, and I'm a little bitter as a charismatic who wasn't given a prayer language. I'm a little bitter that I didn't get that, but it's okay. But some of us speak in tongues, and we can utter in a prayer language things that make no sense in this world, but it makes perfect sense in the Spirit. And I love that we can lean in for others like me who maybe don't speak in tongues. Your groanings, your giggles, your laughter, your joy, those are perfectly interpreted prayers at times. There are literal groans and gasps and sounds that I offer, and I know that you do too. I know that you do too, language. When it's just too much to bear, when you're making that sound, you're like, God, I just, I, I, I people are like, is the cell phone signal messed up here? No, it's just a lot of non-words. But it makes sense in heaven. The Spirit of God interprets our groans, gasps, and sounds. And I'll be honest, here's why I think it matters. I offer them up as wordless, formless pleas begging to God to get clarity on what matters to him. That, that if, if I boiled everything down, that's what those sounds get me to. God, help me see what matters to you because if I get your perspective, I'll be fine with my circumstances. I just need your perspective. And those groans, those gasps, at times the sobs, at times the tears, at times the laughter, the joy, the expectancy, all those things our prayers for clarity, saying, God, show me what matters. What is the matter on your heart? And give me your perspective. So what are his words? What are the words that God uses in our life? And how do we get there to the point where we can really, where we can dig in? I wanna, I wanna invite you to a few things. First of all, through the prophets, the counsel of God in Scripture, in all of Scripture, we have his word. 
It is living, it is active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. This church, at great expense, puts these out every week. We have a team that writes devotions. In it is three devotions written from a scripture. So you read the scripture, you get a devotion. But two days are just a scripture reading. I want you to get into this. Last year we put out, what was Marcy, 40 a week? And we'd put out 40 a week and pick up 15. Right now we're handing out about 550. But that's how many people are in this room right now. Take them. Use them. This is, this is where you find you're invited to get into God's word to find out what God's what his heart is on the matter at hand. Read this. It speaks, his word always speaks into our life. I'm never shocked anymore when I see God speaking clearly into my life through his word. So old, so many authors saying one thing, Jesus and redemption. Get into his word. So we see that through the prophets. We see it through the prophetic center, the centerpiece of it all, through Jesus Christ. Seek him. Seek Jesus with all your hearts. Make no mistake that if there's any one thing you should be seeking and longing for in this life, it is not the gathering of wealth. It is not the gathering of relationships. It's not health and well-being. It is Jesus, him and him only. Every one of us in this room is terminal. We're all going to be the star at our own funeral. So let's not seek the things that come to a body that eventually will corrupt. Let's seek the thing that redeemed it all. When we go back to the prophetic center, Jesus Christ, we can seek him. But the reality is we have a hard time listening. We have a hard time listening. So today I want to invite you to a season where you tune in to what God's saying, which means you're going to have to tune out to something. I am not a fan, fan of Air, air, what are, airbuds, AirPods. Oh, so stupid. I'm like, AirBud, that's Justin's movie, isn't it? Um, it is. He loves it so much. He's like, AirBuds. But that's side note. Um, AirPods. I hate when I'm old in front of people. Oh, just shocking to my system. Um, the, those little AirPods. Oh, they, they, they look like you have a white ear infection dripping out. They're just horrible. And um, my daughter has them, and, like, I'll be talking to her, and she's just, like, sitting there. And I'm like, Bella. And she's like, oh, what? Oh. And I'm like, so, so I've been talking for a while, right? And I feel super dumb, and I forgot what I said. What, Dad? Nothing. Right? Because we're constantly inundated. I'm addicted to um, audiobooks. Horribly addicted. I'm addicted to podcasts. My wife says, got those things in your ear again? Minor beats. I like the little beat earbud, earbud things. Um, I don't know why, but they have a wire and it makes me feel secure. And, um, and so I, I listen to those. But one of the things we don't do well is we don't listen. We don't listen. We listen to everything, but we miss the one matter that is close to the heart of God. Church, I'm calling you to unplug for just a little while. Just a little while. And just listen Listen, let the prophetic move of the Spirit of God take root in this church and let us hear what matters to the heart of God. What is the matter at hand in God's heart? And then let us attend to it. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would move on people. It would move on people like Jeremiah. In the New Covenant, it moves in us. It's not like we're pouring water over a glass upside down, moving water on it. It's flipping it over and water over, in, through, around it. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God should be speaking. Church, he should be speaking. His, the thing that matters to him, speaking to you, not just to me. 
when I was preparing this, I was like, God, what, what am I, what, what's the point? And I just saw big block letters, Jesus. And I was like, seems pretty easy, right? Now, that is my job. I am called to preach, teach, and declare Jesus. So are you. But you're called to do it in your life beyond the walls of this building. I invite you to quit making excuses for why you're not qualified and start believing in the fact that you are called to listen. Listen. Tune out. Take your commute. Take some time away. Take the ear pods out and oh, take the ear, the, 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 whatever. Take the, I know, son. Um, <laughs> it just keeps, um, take them out and spend some time listening let God speak and tell you what his words are, what the matter is that's closest to his heart. And I guarantee you, it'll affect the way you live for Jesus Christ. Listen, church, to what the Spirit is saying. Pray with me. God, we're just going to take a moment and listen and trust that the Spirit moves. God, give us the courage to obey when you speak. Thank you for Jeremiah, who wasn't qualified, but was called. And he was courageously obedient. He was so courageously obedient. May that be a hallmark of our lives. May we as a church live into that value we've stated, courageous obedience, to declare the word of the Lord, the matter that is closest to his heart, to as many as will listen, and to provide a place where redemption, where Jesus is at the bright center of it all. We pray this in his name. Amen. Please stand, sing with me. Our church is at a crossroads. And I want to be very, very clear this morning as we leave. When we started this church, there was a heart and there was a longing for those who were far from God. For those who had been at a distance. For the unchurched, for the de-churched, and even for you over-churched. There's a heart to know Jesus Christ. And that heart hasn't left. It is the pulse of this place. But we are at a crossroads. And we are discerning the matter of God's heart. And I want to tell you this. If you're here because you like it, and it feels good, but you're not a part of what it is, please go like it somewhere else. I don't mean it rudely. It's okay. If you're not called to do what we do, it's okay. It's not bad. But we as a church are on a mission. And if you're called to be here in the word of God, in the community of God, in the groups, in the fellowship, in the connection, then be here. We can't, oh, we can't be okay that so many people out there don't know him. But we're good being comfortable here. If you're good with that, don't come back. This isn't home. We are called by the Spirit of God to the heart of the matter, and that is that Jesus Christ is made known in your lives. You are called, the last words of Jesus, go therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations, 
baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is the matter, the final words of Jesus Christ. And they have not departed from this church's ear. So if you're called to live a life that is costly in following, that is willing to get uncomfortable, then I invite you, dig in, and it's okay if our numbers shrink. I'm okay with that, because they'll grow again when you go tell people about Jesus. Jeff, come here real quick. Unplug your bass and come here. Um, There is a reality that we face in this church that we have to listen to the heart of God. This is Jeff Magruder, and Jeff is heading out to Foundry West to be playing in their band and working with them. Jeff was far from God when he came here. We've got a couple of emails, thou shall not wear a hat in the church of God. I'm like, thou shall go back to where they're from. I'm just not putting up with it. Because this is Jeff, and his friend Rob invited him time and time and time again. And I baptized Jeff five, four years ago in a dunk take while he wore a Zealand Cheer t-shirt. <laughs> and Jeff is our brother in Christ. And he's leaving Maine to go to West and to be a part of that community. Jeff was far from God. Don't tell me you don't know people like Jeff. His last plea in his last pre-service meeting was that we don't forget that there's a lot of people who felt the way he did. He knew why he didn't come to church. He just didn't know why you didn't invite him. So hear what the Spirit says. You're with us or you're not. Because I love this man. This is my brother in Christ, and I hate to see you go, but I'm excited to see where God's calling you. But don't ever forget that we as a church are called, we are compelled to the heart of the matter, that Jesus Christ be made known outside these walls by your lives. And if you're not willing to do that, maybe being in these walls isn't right. Because we are a people who are gonna live on the prophetic edge of the heart of the matter. And Jeff, we bless you and thank you for all the years of playing bass and being part of it and making hats okay on stage. I'm gonna benedict and get out of here. May the Lord... Go live a courageous life. Make no excuses that you are called. And when God puts the heart of the matter on your heart, speak, speak. Who knows who our next Jeff is. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My friends, it is time for the church to leave the building. You're dismissed. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're looking for a way to prepare yourself for next week's, you can visit us at foundrychurch.net and find our weekly devotions. Beating God's word every day is part of what we call our weekly rhythm here at the Foundry. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again next week.